0: We are back for another episode of the Sales Development Podcast, powered by Ten Bound, hosted by David Delaney. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce Episode 188. Featuring Daniel Veduya, General Manager at Task Drive, and Daniel kicks off this episode by sharing his story, his journey of how he got into sales development, starting out on the phones in the B2C world, and how he made his way into the B2B world, things he learned along the way, how his skill sets transferred, great way to start the episode off, and as we continue on, Daniel and David talk about the advantages of reducing the number of tasks that sales Reps have to tackle every day, and how TaskDrive can help teams accomplish this. This is a hot topic always, always, and forever in sales development. So great to hear Daniel's feedback on this. The episode continues as David and Daniel dive deep on the value of investing into lead research and how to decide when to call for help from a company like TaskDrive. There are different stages of maturity when it comes to lead research, depending on where a sales organization is. And Daniel does a fantastic job of breaking down that kind of journey that companies often go through and how TaskDrive drive helps them navigate that journey. The episode wraps up with Daniel giving us some really tactical advice and lessons that he learned about how to communicate with prospects and how to really connect with them in a way that helps them understand how you can help vital information for any sales development professional listening out there. As always, if you enjoy this episode, feel free to leave us a rating, head over to 10 and enjoy a fantastically entertaining episode with Daniel Veduya, General Manager at TaskDrive.
1: Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am joined today by an esteemed guest who's coming at us from Guadalajara, Mexico, which is exciting. I want to talk about that. Daniel Viduya, they also call him Senora Pistole. He's the general manager of Task Drive. And so I have a lot of questions, Daniel. And one is, how did you get your nickname?
2: That's a good question. And thank you for having me, Dave. So it's Senora Pistole is in the evening. I, when I came to Mexico as a foreigner, the first dish that I tried was pozole. And I fell in love with it. And I had it almost every single night. And so eventually my friends just started calling me Senora Pozole because every night I would request for Pozole and they would, you know, I love the red one. That's spicy. And my personality is somewhat spicy. And so they decided that it's befitting for them to call me Senora Pozole.
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. Like I said, you're making me hungry. So don't make me come visit you. Okay.
2: Well, let's not dive into that too much. Then.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you know, TaskDrive has made such a big impact on the sales development industry. How did you get into sales development and become the general manager at TaskDrive?
2: That's a good question. And I was previously a sales representative, not in the B2B industry, but rather in the business to consumer industry. And the funny thing was the way that we did sales was that we would sell TV service to customers who were calling to lower their bill. And so they would call it, I want to lower my bill. I lost my job or your bill is too high and I need it to lower that down. You guys are ridiculous. And we end up selling them TV service. So it's a very funny thing because, you know, you, they're calling it originally to reduce something they're spending on and we have them spend more. So, but it was funny because what I realized there was that I was not, some, you know, it was not scamming people or talking people into getting things, but it was about bringing value. It was about making them realize sometimes when you're calling it a lower a bill, it's not simply because you want to cut down expenses, but you're actually looking to get something or you're looking to get the value of what you're actually paying for. So when one feels that something is not worth it, then that's when one starts doubting about what they're spending for. And so when I left my job as a business-to-consumer you know, sales manager in the BPO industry back in the Philippines, I decided to try getting into the business-to-business business world. And I started as a customer success manager back in 2017. And because of my previous mentors and supervisors who guided me and showed me the ways in the business-to-business business world, I became inundated with sales development. I started handling several sales development representative teams handled multiple campaigns, saw A to B testing. And I learned so much from there. I've seen many great successes and I've seen many great failures. And in 2020, when I decided to step down from my previous role due to relocation and educational reasons as well, because I was finishing my college degree for pre-medicine back then, I joined TaskDrive. And TaskDrive as a lead research company. It was amazing where seeing the pain and the downfalls and the successes of sales development, I was very interested to join a company that could support sales development teams in, within their endeavors and the, their success. And that's how I got into task drive. That's where I saw that simply with the power of lead research, by simply saving time that SDRs spend having to find data themselves, that with the power of human curated research, that SDRs had more flexibility. And being able to do the things that they're supposed to do in a multi channel approach and getting to know their prospects more to really building their pipeline.
1: And I see that. I mean, you know, in the sales development field, that's such a huge issue, you know, in that we spend a lot of time doing that manual research and it almost takes the whole day instead of actually. Talking to you know customers or interacting with potential prospects, you're you're researching. So how does TaskDrive work? So how do you you know work with customers to help them with that solving that problem?
2: That's a good question. To give you a better picture of how we solve that problem, I will. I resonate with what you've just said, you no, know, Dave. That not many people see the problem of spending too much time in personalization and manual research. And when I came into drive, I was very proud because, you know, I was part of a sales development team before. Even if there was somewhat a research team supporting the sales development team, the research was quite straightforward. And other personalized information and manual research, I decided to do by myself. Although it was mentioned to me time and time again in drive that you don't need to do that yourself. You could have the lead researchers do that for you. I was too proud of a man to admit it. So I said, no, I'm okay. I could do this on my own. And so that's what I did. You know, I was crazy enough to let me do this by myself. And I ended up spending half my day or even more than half of my day just getting enriching information that could have been done by the lead researchers. And then from there, you know, I was only left with email to deal with. And I didn't have much time to do my other duties. And so it was a mistake in my part that I did not acknowledge how to trust my people and, you know, trust where lead research could actually have helped me. And ever since then, you know, ever since realizing that I was losing half of my day, just finding simple information that could be found by someone else, I decided to trust the process and have a lead researcher do it for me. And because of that, half of my day is spent not only you know, not doing manual research anymore, but rather I could call people, I could connect with them in LinkedIn, I could go ahead and get to know them more on a personal level, or I could simply do other revenue generating tasks that are actually contributing to the growth of task drive. So talking about how Task Drive can help sales development teams, if one is spending on resources that are supposed to be doing sales-focused activities, but instead they're doing manual research, they're trying to hunt down for information in the internet, they're trying to validate the information, or perhaps when they're trying to hunt down for people or contact people, it's not getting to them because the information they have is invalid, that's where Task Drive can really help. Task Drive takes the time that SDRs or sales reps are spending having to find information and makes it their own so that these people could focus fully on doing a multi-channel approach, on contacting people and getting to know them on a deeper level, on creating custom messages, to creating quality outreach that could really strengthen and nurture the pipeline. So it's not just about quantity, but it's also building the quality for the outreach. Task Drive is an indirect contributor to that, but because of the time that you save, you get to do so many other things that could actually empower your outreach.
1: Yeah, and it's all about spending your time in the right place and where you get the most value from the time that you're spending. And so, you know, one challenge that it seems that we have is if you start to talk about, you know, breaking up the SDR team into these different roles... Most companies just want the SDR team to do everything, you know, do the research and write the message and do the calling and just do everything in one. And if you talk about breaking it into parts, a lot of people don't understand why you would make that suggestion. So when you talk about that with people, you know, is this something that they're familiar with? Or do you find that a lot of times they're just like, That's what the SDRs are supposed to do.
2: That's a good scenario and a good question. And yes, I have found many managers that I've spoken with that, you know, no, our SDRs do that. They're supposed to do that. They're supposed to write their messages and, you know, and find the contacts on their own, which may be true, but think of it this way. I used to manage a team before and they did several tasks. This was still with the business consumer side. And, you know, one would have to do the phone calls, and then eventually you'd have to jot down the notes, and then you would have to do this, do that. He did so many different things that not only was the quantity being compromised, but also the quality of your work. And the same goes with the SDRs. Whilst they may be superheroes or they may may be superhumans, at the end of the day, when you talk about efficiency, and this is when you say efficiency that when you do one thing again, and you do it again and again, that you get efficient at it. That's what efficiency is. And if you expect that someone could do this, you know, do phone calls, copywriting, email, personalization, follow-ups, jotting down of statistics, and all the other administrative tasks in becoming an SDR, the efficiency might kick in, but it will take a significant amount of time because they're they're simply doing so many other things. And so what I normally tell them is that, I understand that you have the apprehension that, you know, breaking up might break the process, but why don't we test it out? We need to see and find out if there is an improvement in their efficiency when you actually try to have them focus on just a few set of things that don't confuse them. And a big part of that is the lead research. The lead research takes away so much of their time. And so if you free up their time from having to do lead research and you ask them to focus on Phone calls, emails, social selling. Why don't we measure their efficiency and see how much they improve? What how do their numbers would look like? Is it skewing upwards or is it skewing downwards?
1: One hundred percent. So, say they agree with your hypothesis, then they say, "Okay, let's try it for you know three months and see what happens." Then, what's the next step? How does it work? So, you set up the research team. What are they doing? And then how do they get that information in front of the SDRs?
2: That's a good question. And I will share this somewhat its trade secret because I am all about making sure that we develop education and culture of mentorship to our listeners. And that is, if you know, once the research is endorsed to Task Drive, what do we do is simply not read your ICP and start producing leads? No, that's not what we do. But rather. We get your ideal customer profile, get the lead researchers, we train, we do product-specific training with the lead researchers to have them produce the contacts that are desirable, that are of good quality, that are of good fit, and that are valid information for the SDR team. We do that first, just the basics, training. And when we see that they can produce the results and the quality, that's when we go live and start producing the contacts. We normally put them in a spreadsheet. We show them to our clients or what we call partners because we are an extension of their team. So we show this as Hey, John, just wanted to let you know that these are the first batch of leads. Before proceeding further, we wanted to make sure that these are the ones you're looking for. And that way, you don't spend five days without getting feedback, you know, and later on, it's not a fit. But rather, you get feedback early on and make preventative measures in case it's not a fit. And once you have that full batch of leads for the first weekend that's approved, it goes through a quality check with a quality team. And then we send it over, a customer success manager will send it over to a client and the client will then say, okay, this is good. And then we could ha- either deliver that directly to the SDR manager in a spreadsheet file, or we could upload that into a CRM so that when the SDR is entering the next day, it's ready for export or enrolling into the proper sequences.
1: Got it. Okay. And so that'll go automatically in. And then, so on this side, how does the SDR know that this data is in there and it's ready to go and to be used for their prospecting?
2: So number one is that the advantage of using task Drive is the fact that it's not just getting a dedicated lead researcher, but it's a team that works on the quality side. It's a team that works on the data. And so the SDR would know that this data is ready because it's in their CRM. They would see the fields populated already. So if you're using popular tools like HubSpot, Salesforce, if we fill in the data points that are required for them to see so that they could effectively engage with their people, they would see those data points available. So in TaskDrives research, you don't just find generic data points, but you could also find account-based and people-based insights that allow your SDRs to converse with their customers. What are account-based and person-based insights? Say, for example, in a person-based insight, could be, when was their reason joining? You know, when did they recently join their role? Or were they promoted to a new role? You know, did they receive any awards? Did they receive any certifications recently? Did they have any personal values or traits that they talk about more often in their profiles? And then there is what we call the account-based insights. Did they recently receive funding? Did they receive, recently receive any company awards or achievements? Did they recently receive any certifications that are special or prestigious for the organization? You could cite these and put these in a research sheet, and when you see that in a CRM, and when your SDRs converse with their prospects, then they could say, hey, just notice that you got ISO certified last month. Wanted to congratulate you on that and get some more insights on how you did that. Nice. Just by looking at their CRM and just by empowering their research with personalized information, they don't have to scour the internet anymore for that. They see that on their CRM and they could talk effectively to their prospects.
1: They see that right there. And then, so is there something... How do they tag it back to task drive that the research team is the one that found the information and put it into their database? And so mm-hmm. you know, how, And then how do you go back and analyze the you know, effectiveness of using research team?
2: That's a good question. In terms of finding out if it came from the task drive team, we normally have a part in the sheet that says it's researched by, and then we could put task drive. And when you upload that, there's a custom mapping that could indicate that this lead came from Task Drive. That's number one. In terms of giving feedback for the leads, if you see that it came from Task Drive, you could tell your supervisor if you're directly managing the relationship with Task Drive. You could inform your customer experience advocate. That's now what we call a customer success manager. You could tell them that, hey, this is what we've got so far with our leads. And so the purpose of us establishing a customer experience advocate is not simply to have a POC to deliver contacts to you on a weekly basis, but rather to get your customer experience, to get your feedback on how the campaign is doing. Because the way that we define success in Task Drive is only if our customers are finding our leads useful. If we see that you're having struggles with outreach, if you're having struggles with the contacts that we're providing to you then something is missing on the research side and we're not fulfilling our purpose of being able to help you. And that's why we make it a point in a customer experience team that you have to get feedback about you know, what, how our customers are doing with the contacts. You have to get feedback about the campaign performance because we want to show that we truly care and we do. And so there have been cases, David, that sometimes I jumped in a call myself to help solve a domain issue with one client or perhaps a lead quality issue with another client, because I wanted to make sure that they are successful with what they hired us to, to do from the very beginning.
1: Yeah. And so if things, you know, start to go downhill or, you know, they're having issues and stuff like that, do they usually just kind of disappear and you'd start not hearing from them anymore? Or do they come back and give you specific, you know, complaints about what's going on with the data?
2: Admittingly, and I will say this with full honesty because, you know, I I want to educate our listeners, is that more often than not, our customers will fall silent. They will not say that they have issues. And that is the reason why we have the customer experience team. I always ask them on a weekly meeting or I ask the department heads, it's like, how are our customers doing? It's like, oh, it's no complaints at all. You know, nothing. And I'm like, define no complaints at all. It's like, do they say that they're happy or they, they just don't speak at all? And they tell me, oh, no, they didn't make any comment. It's like, and you think that that's doing good. I said, if a lake doesn't have any sound, do you think it's safe to cross that lake without knowing the length or depth of that lake?
0: That's a good, that's
1: a good point. <laughs> right? yeah.
2: A silent customer is just like you assuming that, oh, it's safe to cross this lake. Let me go ahead and step right in. And when you step right in, you sink. Or there's a crocodile waiting underneath there. You know, it's not. A silent customer means that something may be wrong or a passive customer means that eh, maybe they're, you know, they're happy, but they're just riding along. So I make it a point to the customer experience team that you have to be over communicating. You have to be vocal. If your customers are not talking, make them talk. Make them feel you're there because you want to make sure that you're solving their problems. And if they don't talk, it means either something is wrong or they're just passive. You have to show that you care. And when you show that you care, they start talking. And that's how we identify problems and if things are going downhill.
1: And, you know, what if the customer or, you know, when you're talking to them initially, they say, we just spent, you know, a lot of money on these very expensive data sources to give to the SDRs. So the SDRs have everything that they need. Why do they need a research team? What is your
2: response to that? It's really about investment and ROI. I tell them is that, yes, you've spent a significant amount of money. For your SDRs, you've already put down a lot of money. And that's the main point right there. Finding contacts and doing manual administrative work is non-revenue generating. Mm. If you're putting down your money to an activity that's half a day spent on non-revenue generating activities, it's actually costly on your end.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's, that's the yep. point being there. Wow. You know, that's number one. Number two is the quality that you're paying for. You've invested a huge amount of money for onshore people for scaled SDRs. Yet half of their time, quarter of their time is spent just doing something that does not contribute to the quality of their outreach. That 25 to 50 percent could be spent doing personalization. That 25 to 50 percent could be spent doing video, you know, video outreach. That 25 to 50 percent could be spent. Perhaps following up on someone on a personal level, but instead it's spent doing data research. That's what we don't want to, you know, that's what we're aiming to eliminate. We want you to have the chance to really shine and do what you do best. That is to nurture your pipeline and, you know, make the appointment. And that's why when they say that, you know, they've made a huge investment, I make it a point that, yes, you made that huge investment and you want to make sure that you get every single penny and every cent for what it's worth with the time that's being spent for outreach. 100%. And so,
1: you know, if someone wants to do this themselves, like say they agree that there's a lot of value in breaking out and having a research team, which I completely agree is makes perfect sense, but they're not quite ready for like a task drive. How do they bridge the gap between not doing it, doing it themselves, and then calling you when it's time to professionalize? That's a
2: good question. Normally, I don't want to sell just Task Drive. Rather, I share the playbooks. And so if one is not ready to proceed with Task Drive or needs to strategize with their ICP, I always offer my help. I say, we have playbooks that you can use as a guideline on how you could design your research journey. We have playbooks that could help you decide which strategies you should take. We have formats, templates, and methodologies that you could follow. Tips and tricks and how you could have one person do the task effectively while you have the others focus on the other tasks so i'm always happy to help happy to show them the way happy to show them resources and guidelines and my predecessor mark hogan has left so many you know has left so many great playbooks out there in, in our website for them to use as for me since there are already playbooks out there in the website i don't want to you know i don't want to modify what's not broken but rather what i'm doing right now as a change is to bring the message out there that there are playbooks that they could use for themselves to build the team. And so it's not necessary to get for them to get task drive unless they need to. You know, it's not necessary for them to get task drive unless they have internal resources who do have the time to spend what they could do with lead research. And i am always happy to be of service and to help and teach someone how to build their own lead research process. It is possible to build your own lead research process. It is possible to find the data. You just have to find the right people, find the right processes, and implement the right timing and incorporate that with the processes for sales development so that you have a smooth functioning engine.
1: Exactly. And I feel like, you know, because we've been in this business for a long time. So you and I realize the value of breaking out, you know, a research team and not having everybody do all that. And So I feel like the first thing for people to think about is, you know, do you believe that a research team would help? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is, okay, well, how do I do it? And then you've got all these free resources and playbooks and stuff like that, and they can build it themselves. But I feel like at some point, you know, it's not as easy as it looks, you know, I mean, when you're managing people and projects and things like that. So that's when you need to step up and look into a task drive type of organization. I think it's, that's the progress that people make. First, I agree. Second, I'm going to do it. Third, I need task drive.
2: Fair to say? It's fair to say. And that's what I tell them. If it works for you, if your process is perfect, if you don't need any help, then perfect, you're good to go. But if you do need help, if you need someone to lift you up, if you need an extension of your team, and not just a resource, but someone, a team that could support your process, then we're here. We're here to help you. We're here to help you achieve the goals that you have. So we're not just, I'm not, I really don't want to sell, but rather I want to help. That's the culture. That's the thinking. So if I see that I'm unable to help someone, I don't push the task right for them, but rather I give them the right solution for them. One time a prospect came to me he wanted 20,000 contacts in one week. And I said, I don't think that that's what, ta-. like, we could do it, we could, but it would be, you know, it would be causing damage. It would really cost so many things that it's not a fit for us. We do human curated research. If we get 25,000 contacts in one week, that sacrifices the quality that goes against our, you know, processes.
1: Right. The so, you know, not going to be
2: happy. <laughs> it's not going to be helpful. So it's something that cannot help them. We could do it. We could get it. There's no problem. Of course, we could you know, find ways. But is it truly something that could help them? Is it truly something that could help TaskRite? Is it something that TaskRite believes in? It's not, sadly. And so I told him, this is not the best solution. I can recommend you to use some software tools, but I wanted to warn you, by doing 25000 in one batch and you put them in one month, there is a high risk. Or you know blacklisting, but that's another topic we could talk about, you know, another day. But you know, it's I I tell them that you know it's not just about like yeah, twenty thousand, like how many lead researchers can you get with that? That's good money, but that's not what I'm after. For what I'm after for is for the benefit of him, and that's why I told him you could get twenty thousand contacts, but I wanted to tell you ahead of time that you cannot do twenty thousand contacts at one go. You said that you're willing to do the down and dirty. You're willing to do what it takes to get to these 20,000 contacts, but that's not the right way. Yeah. So, you know, it's really about education, about sharing, about caring. That's what we're here for. That's what we truly exist. In the world of sales and sales development, it has truly changed. If you show ulterior motives in your message, your prospects want to listen to you. It's more often than not that they'll start ignoring you. But if you show a motive that you wanted to help them that, yes, you mean business, but you really look at the bigger picture here, which is you care about them, then they might just give you that chance. It's not a guarantee. It's a chance,
1: but at least you have a better chance at that point,
2: you have a better chance of them listening to you. I always tell SDRs that don't expect from me that it's going to be Christmas for you every day, just because you care for your prospects. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not a promised land. So don't, but you are expected to care. You're a human being. They're human you want to start having them talking to you, start by showing that you care. Start by showing that you're giving them the option to say no. Don't force them. Don't egg them. No, don't etch them in a corner for an appointment. That's not how it works. They don't know who you are. So show that you care first, show that you're human, show that you care about their considerations, and then they will talk. If they don't talk, then it's okay. Let them be. If they talk, then good. We're human. We're not robots. That's why SDRs you know, are hired, we are hired. Because if we could just talk about messaging and business, and if we could just keep nagging them for an appointment, an AI could do that for us, honestly. An AI could just say, hey, Daniel, want to schedule for 8 p.m.? Press yes. Or press one for yes, press two for no. That's how some SDRs, shamingly, are talking right now. There's no human level, right? but we're not the reason why ai still doesn't stand out to humans is because we as humans could care about them instead of saying hey want to meet at 8pm next week or want to go ahead and book that meeting with me we do, we don't say that way we say hey i'm reaching out to you because i'm curious to know if there is any way the past drive can help you does this sound interesting to you i end it there i don't even you know ask for an appointment or just say hey I noticed that you're a newly hired demand generation manager, and I'm reaching out to you because we're curious to know more about what plans do you have to improve and change the sales process you have in your organization right now. Does it sound interesting for us to exchange ideas? So you see, I'm giving them the option to say no. I'm showing them that I care about how they feel. I'm showing them that I do have an intent to talk to you, but it's really more about them.
1: And you're showing them that you're human versus, you know, and AI, then there's a lot that are out there right now. And exactly. I, I can't imagine that you know you can completely replace a human being at this point <laughs> with what they have.
2: It could I, be, but then it's not the same experience. It will never be yet. Yeah. The human being has a very beautiful way of cognitive function that allows them to think in a sense that AI couldn't. And AI can make recommendations based on patterns and habits. An AI can make recommendation based on learning. But as a human being, your conversation leads from one step to another, not just because of learning, not just because of recommendations, but it's because you're able to connect with someone on a personal level and you somehow start thinking what they might be thinking. You start feeling them.
1: Yep, you have to. And that's really the only advantage that we have right now is the fact that we're human and we can bring that versus. The robots really. Exactly.
2: (laughs) They're coming for us. That was my mistake before. I spoke to many prospects. I would tell them that, hey, Taster could help you with this, Taster will do this. TaskRay was a market research company. Want to book an appointment for next week? Uh, no response at all. Zero. It was such a shame. I'm telling you, I'm telling, I'm being honest right now because it is the truth. And then I started changing the messaging. I said, what if I just I'm plain honest with them? You know, what if I just really talk about the philosophy? of my personality, the way that I talk, and just show that I'm giving them the option to decline and that I respect their authority. And so I did. Spoke about why I'm reaching out, state the intent, spoke about them, like, hey, you're recently hired as a demand generation manager. It's like, you must have many goals right now for 2021. I observe that this is happening in your company right now. And then I asked them, you know, I tell them Task Drive is a market research company It can help you by doing these things, dot, dot, dot. And my final statement to them is, are you interested in learning more? Or in another statement is like, do you think this is something that your company needs? Or I could even tell them to an extent, this is sound even moderately interesting to you. And that's when I started getting responses. They say, hey, this is interesting right now. We're not yet ready, but we will message you when we're ready. One says, oh, this is interesting. Can you tell me more about how you do your lead generation? The other one was like, yeah, sure. I really want to learn more. Why don't we go in and schedule a call? These things started showing up when I changed the tone of my message and when I showed them that I was a humble human being. I love it. And
1: so, you know, if folks want to reach out, they want to learn more about this. It sounds like getting some of the playbooks and understanding how it might work is a good place to start. How do we learn more about this and how do we connect with you?
2: That's a good question. So you can find me on LinkedIn. So my complete name again is Daniel Alexander Viduya Adolfo. Or you could just type Daniel Vadia and you normally find that first right over there. Uh, it's, right, my name is it. pretty rare, So you can find me there and I'm happy to, you know, you could just message me, send me a DM or send me a comment and say that, Hey, can you give me a link to your playbooks? And I'd be happy to send them over. Or if you'd want to schedule a consultation for learning, you know, for to know more about how you could improve your research processes, I'm happy to jump on a call with you as well. I will also be, additionally, I will be in Los Angeles, you know, every now and then, and so if I'm in the LA area or if I'm in the US area, I will let you know. And perhaps we could meet up for coffee, practicing social distancing, or for a bear claw, whichever you prefer. And we could talk about how we can improve your research playbook and processes.
1: I love it. I love it. I'm going to take you up on that. I'll get the coffee and the bear claw. So... <laughs> I'm, yeah, there you go. I both love the
2: coffee and a bear claw too. So there you
1: go. All right. I love it. Daniel, thank you so much for sharing your insight. I'm on my way to, you know, start a research team now and call test drive. So thanks for coming on <laughs> and sharing your wisdom with the Sales Development
2: Podcast. I want to thank you for having me, Dave. And I hope that I was able to share something. If anyone has any questions at all, please don't hesitate to let us know. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the
1: Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10Bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10Bound.com.